God is awesome, amen. God is so, so good. You know, we had this wonderful camp last week at, the, at Peace Haven, the prayer camp. How many of you all were there with us? Praise God. You guys, God ministered to you, right? You know, God is moving in our midst and God is moving in this nation. Lots of things are happening out there, but behind all of that, above all of that, God is moving. Amen. And I was asking God, you know, Pastor Ferg said, bro, free topic, where are you going to go sharing? I said, chill, let's, you know, bro, I'm speaking to you and I'm speaking to myself. Let's see what God wants us to go into. And after the prayer camp, this is what came to God put in my spirit. And this is what I want to share with you. These are some of the things we learned. This is, this is a, like, these are parts of a condensed session we had. And I want you to grasp what God is going to be speaking to you. How many of y'all... Uh, watch the news you know on social media or anything like yesterday about this, uh, this these four kids that were rescued in in the amazon in colombia did you all follow that you know there was this plane crash the kids mother perished in that crash and and the two pilots also died and there were these four kids the oldest was 13 years old a girl and then there and her three brothers nine and i think i'm not four and one one, yeah, one, the youngest was 11 months old and they were lost in the jungle, okay? And they were lost for 40 days. Not our local Tamanagara, like maybe Tamanagara type, but it's even worse. It's the Amazon, Amazon jungle with all these jaguars and pumas and all these anacondas and whatever not roaming around, you know? And can you imagine 11-month-old baby, right? When Zoe starts crying for milk or something like that, you know, we are running all over the place trying to get things ready for her here with all the facilities we have, right? But in the forest, in the jungle, managing a baby, and this is a 13-year-old kid, you know, managing the baby, you know. And praise God, they all made it out alive, emaciated a bit, you'd expect that, but all of them made it out alive. And I, when I saw that, I said, God, you are so good, you know. Amidst all the, all the news that you're hearing about all the horrible things that are happening, God is still, you know, reminding us that He's in control, He's in charge. Amen? And for us, it's looking at the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse, the, the whole thing about Nehemiah is he's talking about uh, rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem, right? And when the Babylonians, and you know, when they sacked uh, the city, the walls were broken down and torn down and there was nothing, no walls around them, no protection. Their protection had indeed departed because God has had, in a sense, left them to their own devices and they were now uh, taken out of their own place. I mean, Israel was annexed and Judah was left and Judah was now where uh, Jerusalem is and Nehemiah had this stirring within him. He was I think it was uh, Artaxerxes' cupbearer, right? So he goes back to Jerusalem and, and God has put it in his spirit to rebuild the walls. And so he starts rebuilding the walls. And as he builds, rebuilds the walls, he faces lots of opposition. Lots of opposition. When he starts out to do something that is right in the sight of the Lord, something that God has asked him to do, he faces lots of opposition. So when you are in the will of God, 
don't be surprised if you face opposition. The enemy is going to oppose everything that is aligned to God's will. Amen? And so, what Nehemiah did was this. They prayed. Chapter 4, verse 9, you see on your screen. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. This would be the issues that he faced. And I was thinking, challenges across time, right, that the people of God faced are fundamentally the same. It's the same devil. God is still the same, right? In a sense, someone paraphrased Ecclesiastes this way. He said, same thing happening to different people over different periods of time. There's nothing new under the sun, right? The preacher said, nothing new under the sun. In that regard, same thing happening to different people over different spans of time. The thing for us to look at would be in the spiritual realm and in the physical realm, the challenges that we are facing today, the issues, the fundamental issues we are facing today are still one and the same. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9, that which has been will be, that which is done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Interesting, right? New things, new packaging, right? Fundamentally, they are the same things, new packaging. The enemy's tools coming against us are the same. Different packaging, maybe, but the same. So, I'm just going to put this. Bear with me as I try to figure this out. Okay. To us today, one of the things God has put in my spirit to share with you is to raise up firewalls, to raise up spiritual perimeters, spiritual perimeters around our lives, around our cities, around our neighborhoods, around our homes. Why? A place without a wall, a place without protection simply means anything and anybody can just come in and mess up that place. Anything and anybody can just come into the life of someone, into someone's family and mess it up. But we have been called by God. We have been, in a sense, empowered by God to deal with those things. Uh, if you look at, I've got some interesting info here. I'm just going to read it to you. As of January 22, in Malaysia, you have got one death every 82 minutes. One person dies every 82 minutes in Malaysia. Interesting, right? You've got road rages, shootings, marital breakdowns, drug addictions, depression, all sorts of things shooting up through the roof. On the average, these things have increased by 26% the last three years. This data is 2022 March data. Lots of things have been on the upward trend. Crime index has gone up.
heart attack, cancer, other ailments, they are increasing in terms of the lives that they are, for the lack of a better word, harvesting. Right? And what are we called to do as a church? I was talking to someone yesterday and he was telling me about some things that were happening to his family members. And he said, bro, I don't know what to do. I, you know, there's so much of hopelessness. When we were in, in um, Langkawi a couple of weeks back, my, my family and I were there for a short break, and one of the grab, grab drivers was telling me this. He said that he used to be in KL, he used to be a corporate person, but lots of things happened and, and because of the pandemic and all that, so he had to re come back to Langkawi, and he's doing grab at the moment. So I asked him, why did you get out of KL? You know, I know Langkawi is very, very peaceful, but to stay here all these years, what happened? He said the atmosphere there was so different. The atmosphere there was so oppressive. The atmosphere there put undue pressure over me. Tekanan yang saya tidak boleh hadapi. A pressure that I could not deal with. He says, I said, wow. And he went on to say that he felt like, he said, he talked about physical, you know, he said he could feel the physicality of the pressure pushing him down. And so I asked him, what about Langkawi? He said, in a sense, there is not that much pressure here. You know, he's moved off to another area, another atmosphere, okay, where there is, uh, he's able to live without that pressure. Think about this. Over the atmosphere of our lives, where we live today, over our homes, over our cities, over our neighborhoods, around our church, around the communities that we live in, there is pressure, right? There is spiritual pressure. What happens in the spiritual cascades down into the physical, right? Amen? Believe that? You want to change your, the atmosphere in the physical realm, you change Go into the spiritual realm and change the thermostat there. And then things change here. Right? My dad used to tell me, in a sense, if you want to see change, you have to fight. And you fight on your knees. You fight on your knees in prayer. Come into that place before God and you deal with that situation before God. It is not the physical entities, the physical individuals that are reacting or whatever that you need to deal with. But you need to deal with the spiritual entities that are the puppet masters over the physical. And so, something happened uh, around my neighborhood some years back, and I got upset, and I went to God and said, God, why did you allow this? You know, why didn't you do something about this? And this happened in the afternoon and I was asking God, why didn't you do something about this? Some, you know, a kid died because he had some, some issue, a sudden death thing. And I was telling God, God, why didn't you do something about this? And it's not this kid, there's another kid. So last year was kid A, this year was kid B, you know? And they were more or less the same age. When they reached this age, the same thing happened. And I was like, God, this, this, this seems to be a pattern, right? Why don't you help these guys? And I felt God speaking to me and saying, very good question, 
But maybe you should ask yourself that question. What are you doing about it? Because I've put you in that place to bring change. I've put you in that place to stem that tide of darkness. And I went back and tried to figure this out. It took me some time to process it because at times God has equipped us, God has empowered us and given us the tools and the authority, the delegated authority to deal with those things. But we take a step back and expect God to do it for us. It's like going into, you know, like a soldier that is well-trained, equipped with all the tools, given all the training he's needed, and he's parachuted behind enemy lines. He's got all the weapons. He looks at the enemy, and then he calls back headquarters and says, I've got enemies in front of me. Can you come and do something about them? And the general or the commander is going to say, we have trained you, we have equipped you, and we have positioned you in the place where you should be. At least point your gun at that fellow and shoot lah, right? Do something about it, right? But that's what we do sometimes when we start saying, God, come and help us, come and help us. You know, when we should step into this place and do what we need to. That's why we are called to guard the place where God has put us. Keep that place occupied. Jesus said, occupy till I come, right? How do you occupy? Occupying is not dudok sanad and just sit and do nothing, right? But it is to be in that place to release the presence of God. To be in that place to release Jesus. That is what we are called to do. And that is what God has empowered us, anointed us to do. The thing is this. If you and I do not step up into that place where God has called us to, in that place of authority, somebody else will do it. We carry the presence of God, right? So when we step into that place of authority, we... Okay, got it. If we do not step into that place of authority that God has assigned for us, somebody else is going to come into that place where there is a spiritual vacuum by means of necessity with regards to spiritual laws or physical laws. Something, another entity, another person would step into that place and they would sway the atmosphere to where they want it to. And God has put us as His sons and daughters, His agents of transformation to bring light someone else who may be aligned to dark powers, may pull that whole environment to another place. Right? So, I just told myself after that reminder from God that God, we will take authority over this place. We'll step up and do what you want us to. And we will pray we will stand in the gap. And so that's why I want to share this with you this, this morning. This is, God is calling us today to raise up firewalls, perimeters, spiritual perimeters, to put around our families, to put around our lives firstly, our families, our loved ones, our neighbors, our neighborhoods, you know. And that's why we share... We've been sharing the prayer altars and even in the camp, the prayer camp, about praying for our neighborhoods. Can I ask you something? When is the last time you did a prayer walk around your neighborhood? You know how much more we should do it? We've got cells in certain locations, right? Take a cell night 
Do a prayer walk. Do a prayer drive. Bless that place. Speak God's word over that place. Declare the Lordship of Jesus over that place and see the atmosphere change. Amen. In a large sense, wherever we are, our homes, our schools, our churches, our communities, this is where God has deliberately and strategically planted us. We are not in any place we are now by accident. Believe me, God knows what He is doing and that's why God has placed us in that, in that very location. Amen. I've got this here so that I can remember what I'm supposed to be sharing with you in case that goes off. Okay. <laughs> Those of you who were here yesterday, at yesterday morning's Dominate Altar will know why. <laughs> anyway, um, what we'll be looking at are some principles this morning with regards to raising spiritual perimeters, with regards to putting up firewalls and enforcing the victory of God, enforcing the rule of God, enforcing the power, you know, what Jesus won on the cross in our specific locations this morning. So that's what we'll be looking at. The first principle would be the prayer altar. Have it there? Yes. This is, we've got many reference verses, but I just put this down. Second Samuel 24, 25. This is where uh, the angel was going around uh, executing judgment against the people of Israel when David numbered the army, when he was not supposed to do the census, and he disobeyed God, and he kind of like released the plague, right? So what David did, he was on the threshing floor of Arauna, the Jebusite. And as he was there, that's when uh, he t Arauna tells him, take whatever you want, just, you know, just offer that sacrifice. Build the altar, offer that sacrifice and get it done with. And David says, no, I will not offer to God that which cost me nothing. Remember that one? That was this place. And the moment David did, he, when he built that altar, the plague stopped. Let's read it, read it together. David built an altar to the Lord there and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was moved to compassion by David's prayer for the land and the plague was held back from Israel. 2 Samuel 24, 25. What David did through this prayer altar was he was able to stop the plague. He was able to turn back death. He stopped it. When we come into a place of prayer, what we do is, we all know what prayer altars are. We all have been praying, right? When you come in to build a prayer altar, it is a place of power. It is a place where God's presence comes in and transforms that location, that family, you know, the place and the people are transformed. The land and the people are transformed. So, one the first principle is to come together and build prayer altars. What do prayer altars do? Number one, they help to establish a wall of prayer around the family, around the city, around the church, around the community. It is a place of contact. It is a place of covenant. It is a place of contract. That means you have consecrated yourself to come and seek God's face 
at a certain time. And because you have done that, it can be a daily, daily thing, the prayer altar. It can be a weekly thing. There are some altars that happen on, you know, once a month and so forth, right? But that altar being there captures the atmosphere over that city, over the town, over that space. That altar being there releases the presence of God, releases the power of God. Amen. So that is why when you put a spiritual perimeter, it starts off with an altar. An altar is where you draw the presence of God and you release the presence of God. Okay. The, the, the verse there, the one that we read just now was 2 Samuel 24, 25. Another interesting verse here is Acts 18, 10. You can, uh, it's, it's here. The first one is the wall of prayer for personal altars, family altars, and city, you know, community altars. Place a perimeter around you, your family, your city. Acts 18.10. The church was praying, right? And what did the church do? When the church prayed, and the people around the city prayed, God spoke to the, the apostles, and basically, God was saying, I am with you, and no one is going to attack or, and harm you because I have many people in the city. God told Paul this, right? Because the people in the city were praying for him. And that protected Paul. There's another verse in Leviticus 6:13. We are quite familiar with this verse that talks about the fire being, you know, to burning perpetually, right? The living altars, prayer altars are the place we meet, the time we meet, as well as you and I who carry the presence of God. So what is happening here? Whether they are in schools, workplaces, office, city streets, or churches, our altars, people that meet together become living altars where the incense of our prayers and worship rises to God as a sweet-smelling aroma and draws in the presence of God. What it does is it ascends to God on behalf of the city, it ascends to God on behalf of the community, it ascends to God on behalf of the family. Amen? The fire, Leviticus 6.13 says, the fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It, was, it must never go out. It must never go out. We could even, you know, work out like the dominate altar. It's a consistent weekly time of prayer where a core group of people, the people who come in to pray, come in and pray. How many of you uh, have been to the dominate altars? Praise God. We have it every Saturday, right? We have it every Saturday, generally from 9 to 10. I'm going to invite you again. Try to block out that time. Come and pray. How many of you all were here yesterday? How was it? Good. Amen. It's so different. God is moving us to a different level where prayer is concerned. You know? And so, I encourage you to come and pray together with us. Even in your homes, build your altars. Even if it's one person praying, Partner with your neighbors, partner with your friends. When you have your cells, speak to them and ask, invite them to your home to come and pray. When you pray, you move the atmosphere over your home. You open, you, in a sense, you release the presence of God and you create open heavens over that atmosphere and over your lives. When we uh, started when we moved, when Denise and I moved into Sungai Bolo, right, one of the things we did was, we, there were so many places that we used to drive through, and what we did was, we 
would spend time praying around those places, even over our thamans, praying over the roads, praying over the streets. And we see that accidents, robberies, and all these things have really dropped. The, the crime index drops. Things change for the better because you're releasing the presence of God. And there can be only one result. Good. Amen. So that's something I want us to just grasp this. Second principle would be oneness in Christ. Ephesians 4, verses 3 to 6. This is from the Amplified Translation. Let's read it together. Make every effort to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace, each individual working together to make the whole successful. There is one body of believers and one Spirit, just as you are called to one hope when called to salvation, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is sovereign over all and working through all and living in all. The oneness we have, the unity we have, must be founded on the person of Jesus. Nothing else. Not a doctrine, not a, what do you call it, um, some church-related agenda, nothing. It must be founded first and foremost on the person of Jesus, on the Word of God and on the Spirit. That is where we come into unity with God. And from that unity, we as a church, as a family of God, are united. We have to look at uh, becoming a community where God's tangible presence and power is, can be felt and where that presence of God dwells. You, you know what I mean? We, we are, some years ago, we went to Miri, and as we were doing the prayer drives in Baram, we went up into a church that is like Super Ulu in, in a place called Liomato. And when we were there, I think Sister Jenny, you were with us as well. Uncle David was with us. Uh, Denise and I, my wife and I, some of our prayer team folks went there. And as you came into that place, you could just feel the presence of God. You know, you could just feel the presence of God. And there was this, 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 it's not an eerie, spooky feeling. It's just a, a, a feeling of joy, you know. As you walk into that place, you feel like you're superpowered. You just feel the presence of God there. You just feel it, you know. And then we found out those fellas get up at five and pray. They've been praying for many years, 30, 40 years, you know. It's not just the, the, the older folks, but even the younger ones go and pray before they go to work. And that presence there is so different. The atmosphere there is so different. Can you imagine when every believer comes into that place of unity? The unity is in the Lord. That oneness in Christ. And we become a community where there is a love for God, a reverence for God that moves us to a different place. That's what we want in our churches. That's what we want in our homes. Amen. First principle, prayer altar. Second principle, oneness in Christ. We are called as believers to understand that our unity is based on the person of Jesus Christ. Not a doctrine, not an ideology or even ministry agenda. And we have to be wise with regards to hearing the voice of God. We have to choose our battles carefully. We should not be distracted by side issues that move us away from what God wants us to do, that move us away from... See, there are a lot of good things that we can do, but we must 
be able to discern between the good and that which God wants us to do. What is of God and what is good? What is good may not be what is best. The best would be what God wants us to do. God doesn't put you in a place where you've got too many things, you don't know what to do, or you kind of like invest yourself in everything without attaining 100% on anything. God does not work that way. But the enemy may allow you to do that so that you may not have the impact that God desires you to have. So we must be able to know, discern, and move into what God wants us to. Principle number three. God focused. Psalm 66, 5 basically says, Come and see the works of God. He is awesome in His doing toward the sons of men. We tend to get a little bit distracted sometimes when we look at bad things happening, the news, perhaps, football scores sometimes. <laughs> the thing is this God wants us to keep our eyes on Jesus. Do you remember when? Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and there were Elijah and Moses with him, right? And Peter turns out and says, let's build a tent, a booth for all three, for Jesus, for Moses and Elijah. And went on, I think he went on rambling some things and God just said, this is my beloved son, hear him. Basically, God was telling Peter, shut up and listen to what Jesus is saying. Sometimes we have to tune out all the noise and all the nonsense that is happening around us and keep our focus on Jesus. In fact, uh, someone asked me quite recently about worship in church. And the question was, what about this song? What about that song? How do you guys configure things? How do you kind of like, you know, line things up? And finally, after all that question, the person kind of like, Boil it down to this one question. What's your take on worship in church? I said simply this. As long as Jesus is exalted, that's all that matters. As long as Jesus is exalted, that's all that matters. We, we are not here to complicate things. This morning, Jesus was exalted. Worship was so good. Amen? My dad used to tell me, worship is not for you to enjoy. <laughs> so true, so true. So true. It's for us to draw the presence of God, to give God what He enjoys. Amen? And, and that is so true. We have to be God-focused. So what we do, we focus on what God is doing more than what the enemy is doing. That's why we see what God does. In the midst of the pandemic, there were more salvations than at any other time in the past five years. Do you know that? Interesting, right? I read Christianity today and there was this, this particular small box thing you know, where they highlighted this and I was like, wow. And we are thinking that all hell is breaking loose. No, no, no. In the midst of all that chaos, God is in the eye of the storm. The eye of the storm is the calmest place in that storm. And that's where Jesus is. You know? And when we keep our eyes on Him, when we are anchored on Him, don't worry about all hell breaking loose because everything is subject to the name of Jesus and that name is by which the name by which you and I are called and that is the banner over your life and my life amen God focused so what do we do we look for indicators of God's blessing and God's favor 
we open our eyes and we see what God is doing and we bless that which God is already doing in that city. We pray and support what God is already doing in the lives of His sons and daughters. Amos 3, verse 3, asks us a very interesting question. I'll just go to this. So sorry. Okay, yep. Got it? We're called to walk in agreement with God's word. How can two walk together except they be in agreement? Look for what God is doing. The, sec- the next thing you look at is radical gratitude. Keep praise central. Keep praise central. So what do we do? The high praises of God has power to bring down strongholds. When you praise God, God comes into the scene. When you worship God, God comes in and transforms the atmosphere of our lives, the atmosphere of our city, the atmosphere of our communities. That's what God does. And Second Chronicles 2.20 has got this very interesting uh, note. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. You know, when Jehoshaphat faced the enemy, when Hezekiah faced the enemy, all they did was they focused on God and they praised God and they worshipped God. They took their eyes off the enemy and kept their eyes on the Lord. God fought their battles for them. Whatever you're going through today, focus on the Lord, worship the Lord and praise God and He will come and transform your situation. Only He can do that. Amen? God focused. Principle four. finger doesn't seem to be getting it. Okay, there it is. An interesting thing is in Daniel 10 verse 12, then he said to me, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to your words. This angel, remember, comes to Daniel. I think it was Gabriel, right? He comes and tells Daniel that the from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and humbling yourself before God. God heard his prayers and released the answer. What is needed? Coming before God in humility. Sin opens the gateway for the devil to come in. Just like garbage attracts flies, sin attracts demons unresolved sin issues in our lives, in our cities, in our nation, can become open doors for the enemy. As the Holy Spirit reveals root issues on the land, sometimes when you pray, what are we called to do? Ask the Lord for wisdom and take steps to clear the sin, clear the immorality, clear the junk, clear the garbage. There are stuff, you know, broken covenants, idolatries, and stuff like that just need to be dealt with, dealt with before we can move forward. For example, if you go into a home, you buy a land, and you want to build a home, or you want to move into that land, right? First thing you need to do is deal with sin committed in that land. Pray, invite the presence of God to deal with that sin first. And then you dedicate the land to the Lord. We have encountered this many times. 
people come and tell us, you know, I have dedicated my house to the Lord and yet I've got these things happening. Why is that? And one of the lessons we learned is this. Because there's still excess for the enemy to come in there. You have built a new fence, you're fortified that home, place grills and locks and all that stuff, but the enemy still has one spare key because of sin. So how do you deal with it? You ask God to forgive any sin committed in that land to erase that legal ground. You may not have committed it. The person who has committed that sin could have done it long, a long time ago and covenanted something to the enemy. And that brings excess into the, for the enemy into that place. So you ask God to forgive that sin. You deal with it. Dedicate that place to Jesus. Enemy excess, denied. Enemy excess, rescinded. Enemy excess, nullified. And then you move in. Whatever that situation may be. And then you bring God into that place. Amen. One of the things we need to also do around our areas, when you walk your tamans, when you walk your neighborhoods, when you walk your city, release the presence of God and say, God, forgive any sin committed in this place. When you drive along a certain road, pray and say, God, I just released your peace over this place. And Lord, if there be any sin committed by anyone in this place, I ask that you forgive that sin. See, for that person, he has to repent so that the sin can, he can be forgiven. But you are asking God to forgive that sin simply means that that action, whatever he did, you know, making that sin a conduit to draw in darkness, you cancel when you ask God to forgive and deal with that sin. You understand what I'm saying? And these things happen cyclically sometimes. You know, like, like the enemy, he needs to go and renew his library card or his contract, his tenure, so that he can keep, you know, causing havoc in that space. So when you go into that place and you cut off that thing, you'll see no more accidents in that area, no more bad things happening. Families will not have marriage breakups or turmoil in their homes. The atmosphere will change. This guy, I told you about the guy in Langkawi who told me, the pressure, the pressure, the pressure, the kanan, di suasana, katsana. The thing is, he was talking about the pressure in KL and certain places. Interestingly, KL has the, in Malaysia, right, KL has got the highest rate of depression and anxiety. Sad, right? But if we stand up and do something, it will reduce. What are we going to do about it? I'll ask you the same question God asked me. What are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Some of us are passing through. I had a friend from uh, another nation who was just transiting in this land. And he used to come and tell me, bro, pray that God moves me on to where I need to. You know, pray that God moves me on to. And in the end, he stayed in Malaysia for about 23 years. You know when he received his breakthrough? The day he embraced this nation and said, Your God, you have put me here to partner with the people in this land to pray that your agenda is fulfilled in this nation. When he embraced that, and when he started praying that prayer, in 18 months, he moved on. He's in another nation now, he's doing well. Sometimes where we are is because God wants us to be there to grow us, to develop us, to train us, to strengthen us, to equip us before we can move on to the next place. 
So your you are your transition point may be a transition point, but you need to accept that transition point as your assignment right now and embrace it. Amen. And finally, bless and release God's presence. Isaiah 61 4. And they shall rebuild the old ruins, they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Isaiah 61 verse 4. Who is, who is to build up the old ruins? Who is to raise up the former desolations and repair the ruined cities? The people that speak the word of life, the people that carry the presence of God, the people that release the power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in each one of us. And that is the power that gave life to Jesus' mortal body. And it gives life to us today. Amen. Wherever you come from, wherever you have come from, <laughs> bless your city, your kampong, your state. Kampong would be village. Nullify curses by declaring God's word and promises. Look for practical ways to share God's kindness through acts of compassion. You and I are the body of Christ. The body is where the hands and the legs are, right? The hands and the legs are the ones that are... That show kindness and do the works of the Lord. Amen. Building firewalls, the first principle, your prayer altars. Rebuild, clear off, rebuild the prayer altars if you have not, if you do not have a consistent prayer altar. Clear away the ashes from the prayer altars. Sometimes when we burn wood, right? Firewood to burn the, the sacrifices, the ashes can clog up that space. When we were kids, we used to have this um, stove made out of bricks, and my mom used to bake bricks, uh, bread on it, and they used, used to take this wood, the, the rubber wood, and put inside the, 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 the stove to start fire and bake. After she has finished baking, what she does is she, she removes the ash. She removes the ash. So that the next round of firewood has sufficient space to burn efficiently. Right? So that's something we need to look at. Where do we need to repent? Where we need to realign ourselves? And where we need to go in? Do not, be, do not think that we are the only persons who has got a connection to God and the others don't. Actually, no one of us has got it all together. But all of us together... We have got it all. Amen. And that's how God works. And that's how God has always worked. First principle, prayer altars. That's where you build your wall of prayer. And you and I are called to be living altars of God. Number two, come into oneness with Jesus. Believe that God is who He says He is. Believe that God can do what He says He can do. Believe that He is for you. Amen. And believe that His word is true. Once you are aligned to His word, then you can be in perfect unity with your brothers and sisters. God will remove what needs to be removed. He'll put in what He needs to put in. Be God-focused. See what God is doing. Your emphasis, your focus, your eyes should be on God, 
on the goodness of God and on the transformation that he is bringing. That way, you can nullify whatever the enemy tries to do. Repentance comes before restoration. You may not have committed that sin, but you will still need to stand in the gap and ask God to forgive that sin. Release forgiveness where you need to and move on. In a large sense, repentance is the gateway to worship. Finally, bless and release God's presence. Bless and release God's presence. People are out there cursing and doing all kinds of nonsense because only God knows what's inside them. But you and I carry the presence of God. Let us bless. Let us release the, the, the word of God over the atmosphere. Let us just, you know, be the ones that release life. The Bible says death and life is in the power of the tongue. You and I have God, the living God living in us. I just want us to get into this place of worship right now. I'm just going to invite Lionel and the worship team. I just want us to worship God, lavish Him with praise, you know, and bring this before God. Bring your situation. Bring whatever you're going through this morning before God. All right? Pray for the people. I'm sure you've got people that need Jesus this morning. All right? Prayer focus is very simple. Number one, declare God's word over your life, over your family, over our church, over... Your, the nation as we pray let God speak to you alright let God speak to you I want you to lift your right hand to the Lord this morning wherever you are standing and put your left hand on your heart just pray this for you Father this morning this service this altar is a place of contact. It's a place of transaction. It's a place of exchange. Where we lay our weaknesses at your feet. We lay the areas of our lives that are not pleasing to you. Even our victories, our failures, everything, Lord, we just lay at your feet this morning, God. And we say, God, take it. Take these things, Father. Take these things and put it under the blood of Jesus. Lay your hands on us. Lay your hands of power. Lay your hands of love and mercy over each one of us. Let there be a calibration. Let there be an alignment. Let there be a shaping. That you refocus us, Father. Redirect us into that place where you want us to go this morning, God. Where there are hurts, bring healing. Bring restoration where there is a physical need for healing, Father. Pour out your presence. Pour out your anointing. That every yoke of bondage over our lives will be broken. That the devil will have no room in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our church, God. Because we are fully submitted to your Lordship, Jesus. We are fully submitted to your word. Unplug us, Lord, from the, anything else apart from the socket of your Holy Spirit this morning. Those of you who have the prayer language of tongues, just pray in the Spirit with me. If you don't, just worship the Lord. 
for His goodness, His faithfulness. Asabi kaya let sungai bolo. Bless the Lord. Sharabarabarian darabababa. Rigararaba shererian darabarian darabababa. Rigararaba shererian darabababa. Shererian dorobo sharabarian darararararaba. Shererianarababa bababa shererian darabababa. Korakarian darian darabasi. we worship you, Jesus. We exalt your name, God. We exalt your name, God. That you'd move in our midst this morning, God. You'd move in our midst this morning, Lord Jesus. And magnify yourself. Touch, heal, restore, deliver, sanctify. Rese Come Holy Spirit Come and move in power Come Holy Spirit Move amongst your Oh God, this place father in this moment you be glorified you be magnified in this church in the lives of your sons and daughters you be magnified God you be glorified Holy Spirit help us help us to raise up altars of praise living altars of testimony for your glory in each life, individual altars, family altars, community altars, even dominant altar, God. Not just for us in this church, SIBKL at Sungai Bolo, but also SIBKL and every church that we are associated with. For the churches of Jesus Christ in Malaysia, we pray for the people there. We pray for individuals. We pray for families. We pray for communities, God. That we'll see your longing to commune with us and you'll have that deep hunger and thirst to encounter your presence at a fresh new level Father your word says that you have purchased us with your blood Lord Jesus on behalf and for God our Father so that we can be kings and priests unto him kings that declare and decree your word Kings that declare and degree your life over the atmosphere of our lives, over the atmosphere of our 
spheres of existence, concern, and interest. And you have made us priests to stand in the gap and intercede for the nation, for our friends, for our families, God. Help us not to be a people that would be apathetic. Help us not to be a people who would be so caught up in seeing our own agendas and our own wants and whims and fancies coming to pass. But a people who would be surrendered to you wholly to see your agenda, your plan, your purpose, your will established in Malaysia, in our lives, in our families, in our church, in the churches in this land, and even the churches that we are connected to, Father, across the nations. On earth, as it is in heaven, let your will be done, God. Father, let there be no more cycles of failures, cycles of darkness affecting our lives. Today, we cancel any excess the enemy has over us. We revoke their rights by the blood of Jesus in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask that you dismantle we dismantle any altar, any platform of, of sacrifice or testimony that is speaking against the destiny that you have ordained for us. We silence every demonic voice, every evil voice with the voice of the blood of Jesus. For the people that we are praying for, whose salvation we are contending for, our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors. Father, we ask we ask that salvation will dawn over their lives. For the people who are battling darkness, cycles of darkness, Lord, today, Lord, remove it in Jesus' name. Remove it in Jesus' name. For the people that we are standing in the gap for, for our brothers, our sisters, our spouses, our sons, our daughters, our parents, our grandparents, our uncles, our aunties, Lord. Release your anointing right now. Release your anointing over them right now. Release your anointing, Father. I pray that you give your church, you give us boldness to declare your word, boldness to share your word. Give us the humility and the wisdom to listen to your spirit and to walk in obedience. Help us, Lord, that we would each put on the humble mind of Christ this morning. Because your word says that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. A spirit of meekness, not weakness. A spirit of strength that is connected to you. That releases your presence. That releases your presence. That releases your presence. So now, Lord, that which we have received today, you grow it, continue to grow it, Father, by your power. And we'll walk in that perfect oneness and unity that can only be found in Jesus. And we'll be carriers, conduits, and connectors of the presence of Almighty God, Yahweh Elohim, our Father. Establish a word in each one of us. Fulfill your good pleasure over this church. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance towards you and bless you with His shalom. His shalom which is His peace. His provision. His protection. Which is all compounded 
in His ever-abiding presence. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.